The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Paul J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that measure success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. At 40 Strategy, we work with CEOs and their leaders to help design strategic plans that actually work. We help with working with the teams and designing and putting their people process systems together to make it more effective to get themselves to a next level destination. If you'd like to learn more about that, please go to 40strategy.com. Before we talk about our guests, I always like to do a shout out, and that shout out is to Tanya Pluckrose. Tanya has an inspirational story from rags to riches. You can actually hear her on our previous podcast, uh, number 43. Thank you, Tanya, for the referral to our current guest, Harry Spate. Harry, who is here, is a he serves others by helping people to grow their business and sales. He's a keynote speaker, coach, and author, author of Selling with Dignity, your formula for life-changing sales results. After spending several years in mission work, Harry has been succeeding in sales as an award-winning multi-million dollar sales producer and sales leader for over two decades. Selling successfully can be achieved with timeless principles, love others, listen, treat others the way you want to be treated, persist, be patient, and have vision. Surround yourself with wise friends. He works with sales teams and executives to elevate their craft of selling and succeeding with dignity for the client as well as a seller. Harry, welcome to the show. It is great to be here, Carl. Thank you very much for having me on your outstanding program. You're a true professional. Uh, well, thank you. Very, very kind of you. Well, Harry, this is our first recording here that we have in, in 2022. Happy New Year. Boy, and, I have to get used to that year. Well, it's my favorite number, so I'm like all in. I, I, this is uh, literally 22. I, I won't go into bother the whole show of why it is, but I'm, I'm super fired up about 22. And so, Harry, tell us more about your business. What, what do, we talked about in the intro, what do you actually do on a regular basis when you work with your clients? Yeah, thank you uh, once again. So it's all about helping people become better at the craft of selling and growing their revenue. So... What does that mean? For the most part, people are looking for ways to grow their business. I mean, very few are saying, I'm set. I don't need any growth. So there's a huge opportunity out there. But primarily, I'm working with newer entrepreneurs that are looking for ways to grow their business. And they typically do not think of selling as the key way to growth. They're thinking about internet marketing, you know, SEO, you know, Google ads. But it really comes down to using your voice and your ears and being able to sell what you do by having great conversations with others. So it's really pretty simple. 
What is that? Does that make sense? Is that oh, long-winded makes, answer? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It, it totally makes sense because um, there's a belief out there that the digital transformation is going to solve all your problems. Right. And if you have a complex product that does not sell based on a click on the internet, it is very hard to differentiate yourself without actually a human talking to persuade somebody to buy your big ticket item, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So when you, how do you give that, I'll call it, I'll call it the modern skeptic, right? The modern skeptic yeah. believes they don't, they don't need salespeople anymore, right? They, they believe that, oh, you just need account managers to handle the leads and then just all the deals are gonna fall, fall through. <laughs> Right. So I appreciate you laughing on that because that is not reality often. So Harry, how do you convince or show the way of this is why not only do you need sales, but you need an effective sales team and strategy to actually close the deals that are not, you know, yeah, they might find you on the internet. They might even go to Google. They might search you. You might even be able to track them, but for they're not pressing the buy button. Right. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So just a few different directions to go, but just starting with a smaller business. So the solopreneur that dreams of, you know, growing their business and hiring people. Sometimes the first thing they think about is hiring salespeople. I was speaking to an individual who's got a great business idea, tons of experience, and he's relatively new to being an entrepreneur a couple of years in. And he and I had a conversation. He says, I'm just going to hire salespeople because selling is not for me. And that is very typical because people come out of their business that they're in as typically as an employee, probably not in sales. I mean, sometimes marketing, but most of the times they're engineers. They've got great ideas and selling just has never been for them. Can you relate to this at all, Carl? Being that I come from being an accountant, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so the last thing people think about is, you know, they'll have a beautiful website. You know, they've got this great whatever, you know, but they're, they don't want to tell others what they do. And if they do, they just typically have the word vomit. So helping individuals to see that there really is no better person to be selling your services than you as the owner, right? You have the most passion. You're the one that's going to answer the phone at any time of the day or on the weekend. You're going to care the most. You're going to live it more than anybody. So why wouldn't you? And plus, you need to know what the sales obstacles are. So if you don't know and you hire a salesperson or hire salespeople and they report to you, Well, there's a million challenges that are going to come up and you're going to say, I don't know, figure it out. You're the salesperson. And that typically coming from sales and sales leadership, not giving answer to salespeople, telling them to figure out is pretty much a way to frustrate them and make them go look for another job because they're going to say things like my leader doesn't know what they're doing and blah, 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 massive turnover, all kinds of issues. So it starts with you, the owner, the entrepreneur. What's your thought? I, well, I, I appreciate the concept around this because I, I think there's two things that you said that, at least from my, what I see with working with clients and, and working with small businesses is that, number one, that understanding, yeah, there's this concept often is, oh, if I build it, they'll come. Right. And they'll be super passionate about it, but they don't want 
persuade, they feel uncomfortable with the persuasion part, right? As opposed to the concept that I believe that they should have is they should be going, you have a duty to sell your gift to the market, right? You have a duty to help get it. it out there. So if you could change the mindset, I think a lot of times for the owner to no, this isn't about sales is you have a duty to give the gift of whatever you've created. I think that's, that's important. I think though, the second part is you have to love salespeople. And I can't tell you how many times I run into solopreneurs, 20 to $50 million businesses, and they don't like salespeople because they, they view them all as like car used car salespeople. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. These are the most important people to help other people understand why their product or service is something important to be able to buy and, and why they need it. If you're so passionate about it, they should be as passionate about it as well. I found being in, once again, I told you about, I was, you know, when I was in the CFO roles, CEO role, COO role, it didn't matter what role it was. I loved great salespeople because that means I had more money, right? right. I got to buy new things. I got to have more fun in the operation side, right? Right. But if you don't have good sales and good process, you don't get to invest in any of that, right? And, yeah. and so, so yeah, so anyways, really agree. No, that's great <laughs> stuff. If I could just comment on that, Carl, I mean, salespeople would want to work for you, right? Because most, not most, a very high percentage, <laughs> I don't know what the numbers are, but most accountants are looking at sales as just a numbers game, right? It's all about spreadsheets and activity and pulling reports and not really about the salespeople's, their growth, their passion, what their goals are. All of that has real value in keeping a high quality salesperson within the company, right? right? So if they're treated with value, then they're more likely to stay, which has all kinds of benefits, right? The longer they're in a region, the more people they'll know, the more repeat business they'll have, the more selling with profitability. And others will look at sales and say, ah, they're replaceable. And the skill levels are not easily replaceable. Take it from someone who's been doing this for a long time. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's so... Anyway, I, you know, I appreciated that additional part behind it and, and, and having, once again, um, you got to have this passion and love and desire to care for these people that are going to help make your life easier, right? They're, they're truly the, it doesn't matter how good your operations are. They don't exist without sales. Exactly. Nothing you know? happens without a sale I've right. heard. Right. I, 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 it was interesting in my old days of, of accounting and, and doing financial results, if you may, when things were great. You know, nobody said good job to the CFO, right? You know, I mean, it was just, right. but they were happy. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, when numbers were bad, it was like, well, what happened wrong? Right. <laughs> and it's like, well, either something wasn't happening good with our sales, we overinvested, right? You know, sales yeah. minus expense equals profit, period. And and you could put all the different details around it. So here you you've talked about this this persuasion of of, of trying to work with the owner, the solopreneur. Again, they understand the importance. So what type of strategies do you work with them to start practicing with so they can start feeling success with that? Because they're so scared. So many times they're scared and they're afraid to sell what they have. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really is simple. Like you said, you know, the whole mentality behind build it and they will come. 
Well, think the opposite. Think nobody knows, right? Think nobody knows who you are. What will you do? And the first thing to do is to get out from behind the computer and get involved in the community. Join clubs, network groups, chambers until you find a, and they're not all alike. What happens is someone will join something where there's not a connection and they'll say, well, I tried that and it was terrible. I suggest that you shop around until you find a group of people that fit your personality, right? Where you have a few people that are going to align themselves with you and you can share stories, share victories, share passions, become friends. And though that group of people will help you grow your business, just like you help them grow their business. But if you go to a group, there's not a connection, don't just keep going and expecting that things will turn around because there just may not be a connection for you there and that's okay, right? So simple, get in the community in which you're growing your business and good things will happen. That's the first thing I suggest. What's your thought? Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Well, I think what I really liked what you said is don't assume anybody knows who you are. Yeah. You know, there's very few companies like Apple, right? You know, that, that, <laughs> yeah. and, and we all think because we do it every single day. I, I worked with a company in, in K 12 space, and, and we would do over 200 trade shows a year as a company. Okay. We had. It's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. We had people consistently and regularly present. We did marketing, advertising. We'd go to the same shows year in, year out. And we would go to an event and I'd go from time to time and and go to them. And I couldn't tell you how many times I'm like, who who are you? You know, and and here we literally were a 30 year old company, you know, 25, Mm -hmm. 30 year old company. And people still didn't know who we were, even though this is all we did all day long. And I think that experience for me helped me to understand that you have to continuously assume that people don't know who you are Mm -hmm. and that every message is the first message. And what does it take? I don't know what you've heard in the latest data, but it takes 17, 18 times. It's, it's a big number. Even know you exist, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, even though you exist. And so to think that, oh, I'm going to do one digital ad. <laughs> and all of a sudden people are going to have the trust to buy from me. So let's talk about that part, which is the trust, right? Okay. So much of, of buying is about trust, believing mm-hmm. that I'm going to be willing to separate from my cash to take a risk on a product or service and hope that it works when I buy it for my business or organization or as a person. So how do you create that trust, right? From a salesperson's perspective, so the the solopreneur, the entrepreneur, the CEO, they feel comfortable on that. Yeah, well, it's like anything like in life, if it's a school teacher, if it's a coach playing sports, if it's a relative, what typically develops the most trust is them showing interest in you. Right. So if we just flip that script and show interest in others instead of being self-serving, self-promoting, be like that school teacher that singled you out and said, you know, Carl, you're special. Right. I see potential in you. You warm up to that teacher. And I mean, you're going to get A's, right, because that teacher has shown interest. And if we do that in sales, we may not 
you know, people don't necessarily think the long game, right? The long game is developing the relationship and the trust first so that when people are in the market, they're going to go to the people they trust. Most people do it backwards and they'll say, well, you'll trust me when you find out how great my company is, how great my product is and how awesome we are. Well, that's you're hoping to get trust post sale. The best time to do that is pre-sale and when they're not in the market and you're developing relationships. And so that's how I would suggest doing it. Now, there's other ways of doing it, but that's the key is to get out and about in the community, start showing interest in others, showing that you're genuine, that you care. People are going to want to recommend you and give you referrals. And that's all part of the whole growth strategy, right? Yep. And and this is consistent what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about your your bio is this concept of serving, right? You know, mm-hmm. this, this this giving towards others. You you talked about when we you and I were having our discussion prior, you know, to coming on to the podcast, you you made a mention of you thought sales was one way and you were struggling, and then you switched and you had more success. Describe to me that personal transformation that you had, which helped make you to be the salesperson that you are today. Yeah, good memory. So back uh, a long time ago, I came out of the mission field. So in the mission life, it's all about serving. And I, when I decided to get into sales, the first book I read was The Greatest Salesman in the World. And it speaks about as one of the motivating factors in sales is love. Okay, so you can imagine, here I was, I genuinely loved humanity. You know, we lived a couple of years outside of the States in the Dominican Republic, we traveled around the world, but it was all for people. Got into sales, it was all about closing. It was all about, you know, what are you hitting for the month, right? It's about hitting your plan, And I went, oh my goodness, this is a little bit different than what I expected. So after several months of doing that and just kind of being confused as to who I really was, I went back to the core values from the mission field and this book, Greatest Salesman in the World, which are all scripturally. I mean, if you believe in the Bible, which a lot of good principles about business come from the Bible, believe it or not. And I just started applying those and said, I'll just make this about other people and see where that takes me. And the rest is history. You know, I applied that in sales, became a million dollar producer. And then I got promoted to sales leadership. The only leadership book I ever wrote, Carl, was the one that was based on the mission field. So it was, you know, I've read others since then, but it was just those core values serve first and good things will happen. So that's really the, probably the motto of my career. You know, I appreciate you talking about, you know, the greatest salesperson, you know, man in the world, that that book, the other book that came to mind when you talk about this is How to Win Friends and Influence People, yeah. which was read, written right in the 20s and 30s, yeah. uh, back in that earlier time period. And it's the same concept, once again, is, exactly. is it's how to win friends and influence people is not about, it's about giving and loving and being thoughtful towards others, right? And, and that's how you win friends and influence people. If you think they're just going to come to you because who you are that's not common. What I mean by true friendship, right? Right. 
yeah. you know, true friendship where, where they're really there and there is a mutual value around it and they want to come back and be with you like on a regular basis. That's great. I mean, if I can elaborate on yeah. like some people will think that sales is about the ability to speak and they'll say, well, I have the gift of gab, but have you ever been to a speaker, see a speaker who's very eloquent, but has no connection with the audience and you start looking at your watch or your phone and you say, this is boring. The person may have the best vocabulary in the world, but if they're not connecting, then they're not getting someone to buy from them. And in sales, it's not about what you say. It's really how you communicate and communication, at least 50%, some will say more, is going to be through listening. Right. So you don't have to worry about what you're going to say. It's how do you listen? Right. And that's key. If you focus, don't focus on what are you going to say? Focus on how I'm going to listen and show interest in others and good things will result from that. The, I think that's, you know, one of the most interesting interviews that, well, anytime you're trying to get a job that by definition is you're selling yourself. Mm -hmm. But I have found is when you ask questions and you can get the employer right. to start actually talking, your likelihood of success is moving on is so much greater because all of a sudden you've put care and thought into who they are. Exactly. Right. And then yeah. they feel like, wow, this person is listening because they're listening to me, right? They care about me rather than just themselves getting the job. It, it's mm -hmm. kind of a, even despite how tight the labor market is, people still forget it's a privilege to be able to get paid to do something. Yeah. Right. It should yeah, be, right. I you agree. Know, it's it's, it's yeah. a privilege. And so it's, it's, it's despite all the things you're saying, Oh, it's a tight labor market and, and they have to do everything they for us. Well, you're getting paid because of a result of doing something. Right. And you didn't have to create that on your own, by the way. Right. You right. Know, this is, you know, they, they, they line something up. If you do work or service, they'll pay for you. And that might be yeah. short-sighted. It might be old minded, but I don't think so. I think it still applies from the employer perspective, right. Mm -hmm. You know, behind things. And as I said, I know it's a very interesting, unique market as we speak right now and how tough the tight is in the labor market, but I think, it, I think it still applies. Back before people would show up and have to do something. Now you can call in sick and still get paid. So yeah, it's a little different today. Or not even show up to work, you know, I mean, you know, as, exactly. as, you know as, as we're both in a you know, remote like environments. And so, so tell the book that you came and you created, tell us, tell the audience more about the book and why, why should people read it? Yeah. So selling with dignity is really what it took me a minute to come up with the title. I was actually describing the book. My original title was Sell Like It's Your Mission, tying the mission world into sales. And I thought about this for years. I stood out as different. I stood out because I didn't buy into all the pressure tactics, the end of the month closes, none of that. And I got into you know sales leadership, VP of sales for a publicly held company. And for me, to be able to say that and is not easy because as you know, Carl, it's, it's about the numbers when you're publicly held. So I figured that I could write a book and help others who thought similarly that I did than I, like I did, which is sales does not have to be about pressure. You can be a good person. You can even be the anti salesperson. And that's kind of the way I was because I, I didn't know what a close was. I didn't, I mean, I just, 
showed up. And people would say things like, well, how do we get this? After you show up enough times. So it's a much more natural way of selling, in my opinion. And that's why I wrote it, because I knew there are people out there, especially small business owners that really have never been trained in sales. They've never lived it and they could benefit and their businesses could grow tremendously by applying some of these principles. So I put it to writing. And, you know, so far the reaction has been very positive. Yeah. It is, once again, it's this counterintuitive, right? Part behind things. And, and, but what's, you know, I'm pointing back to those of the book behind me, which is good yeah. to great. And the, when the concept of the 11 greatest companies in the world during the period of study that Jim Collins and his team did at the University of Colorado is they found that all, not one, not two, but three, but all 11 of them were servant-based leaders. Mm. They called them level right. five leaders because it, it sounded better. But at the end of the day, it was a servant-based leadership. And what's interesting is you're describing, once again, you rose all the way to the top of success in your aspect, getting to be a VP of sales in a publicly traded company. And you used a servant-based model right. to get there. Yeah. And that's what's was, missed often. Cause I think there's yeah. this perception of you have to be the selfish, greedy, oh, you know, used yeah. car salesperson to be successful. And it's like, yeah, it's, it doesn't mean that they can't be successful, but they won't necessarily be the most impactful and, and they won't last for long. Like, you know, yeah. often over time, right? Well, it's like, what, what's your definition of success too? I mean, because you make a lot of money and you're, you know, greedy, obnoxious, self-serving, you know, a person can look in a mirror and say, I'm successful because I make all this money, but th that shows up in other aspects of your life, right? And this is why the whole thing with selling with dignity to me is it's living with dignity. You cannot sell with dignity and be a bad parent. You may be an inexperienced parent, but you're going to keep working at being a better parent. You're going to keep working at being a better spouse, you know, better relationships. That's what dignity is. Mm -hmm. So if you're like that in real life and someone will say, well, I could just never be a salesperson because I can't resort, right? I can't, you know, degrade myself. Well, you don't have to is what I'm saying. All of those traits that make you a great person will make you a great salesperson. The only difference really is you're going to ask, you're going to ask for the order, but everything else about you is going to be, if you like to listen, you like, you're conversational, you care about people, you show up, right? You follow through, keep your word. All you have to do is ask for the order. That's really the only difference. And I simplify it dramatically, but it's pretty simple. And I'm a simple guy. <laughs> Ask no, I, my I, wife. <laughs> well, I, no, thank you for like talking through that. And, and those, I, I really appreciate it once again. So this is an ex example of how do you measure success? And you said, well, you can measure success based on, you know, numbers. And as you said, so it is at the end of the day, often the easiest role to judge, right? Mm -hmm. In any business, right? Because literally they're being measured based on, sales yeah. right to come in versus other things are, are you have to sometimes come up with it you know how, how how do we know that we've actually done successful in this not but so let me ask you from a business perspective and leading other salespeople, how do you measure success from a salesperson perspective yeah i mean it's 
the first thing you have to do is you, you ultimately have to look at results in sales. That's why people are getting paid. Are they bringing in results? But you, there's, there's a lot of caveats to that, right? And the reason I say that is, are they laying a groundwork? Are they out and about in the community, laying a groundwork, telling others, showing them, marketing for your company, so to speak, with what they're doing? Or are they not performing well because they're not behind, they're just behind the computer and sending out emails? Now, again, there's businesses that are completely online, but I'm just talking about for the smaller business that's in a particular market, your salespeople should be out and about and you should be able to look at a funnel, you know, accounts that they're speaking to and ask where they are in the sales process. If you don't have a sales process, I'm sure Carl could help you with one. I could help you with one. Lots of books out there, but you got to know where they are in these sales processes and then make judgments, you know, and say, well, some people will give a sales rep 90 days. And if you're selling a higher ticket item, that's tens of thousands of dollars, not a hundred dollars, not a few hundred dollars. That sales cycle, it could easily be, you know, six months, right? It, it's not necessarily a 90 yeah. day sales cycle. Things the way they used to be right. right now. People are so distracted, pulled different directions. A sales cycle can literally be a year at the closing stage, right? Where people will say, I'm in the market. I'm going to do something. I see myself doing it this quarter and do it a year later, yeah. right? And it's just, it's, it's hard to predict. But you, as the you know, CFOs and CEO, VP of sales, looking at all the things that you should be looking at, you're making judgments based on, you know, how engaged are they? What are they doing? Are they bringing in opportunities? Are you losing? You know, there's a lot to look at, but at the end of the day, it's a results business, right? Absolutely. So then how do you measure the dignity, dignity side? Yeah, I feel like, you know, like part of it is you have to let people go when they're not performing. And I'll give people a great, an opportunity. People say I'm too patient, but I'm not a 90 day and done person unless the 90 days they can't even show up to work. But if they're showing up to work, working hard, you know, laying some kind of foundation. Well, after six months, I want to see a good funnel. After 90 days, I want to see a start of a funnel. After six months, I want to see a really good funnel. And then it's going to go from that six month period into the next 18 months, in my opinion, where you're constantly measuring, tracking, trust, but verifying, you know, a line from Ronald Reagan. I don't know if he's the originator of that, but those are things you have to do. And if you just fire people because they didn't perform after 90 days or 180 days, you better know why. So you're not repeating yourself, right? Right. If you're just, well, they're not performing, but I don't know why. And so I'm just going to let them go. Well, maybe it's the message. Right. And there's there could be something internally that you're doing that, you know, you're, you could go through a lot of salespeople and figure out the flaw is internally. The flaw might be, you know, your sales process, your flaw might be, you know, something. Right. I, I can't think off the top of my head, but there are other potentials there. But, you know, it's and letting the person go is, you know, we gave this a run. 
right? I appreciate what you did. This is just not the fit right now. And you'd be best served, you know, doing something you love and where you're successful because it's not just about one company in life. And I've let people go that have become superstars in other industries. I'm like, why the heck didn't you do that here? <laughs> so let's talk about the, the, the servant-based side. How do you measure that side of it? You know, how do you measure that a salesperson is being more in that servant type level? Yeah. Versus I mean, not. Yeah. So what are they like post sale? I mean, these are things that you're not, this is the problem that a lot of spreadsheets don't cover, right? So a person can really nurture an a current account, a CFO looking at a spreadsheet doesn't see activity other than they visited a current account maybe, but they can be uncovering, you know, 10 times the number of the revenue that they have in that account by introducing themselves to other departments and so forth. So it's, it's having conversations to find out what are people doing that go beyond the spreadsheets and the CRM. If you know, is that, Clear? Do I need to elaborate that? No, no, it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So having those conversations and saying, okay, uh, is the person providing value? Can we call that account and ask, how are things going? And how is your rep performing? Are they living up to your expectations of what a sales rep should do? And if they say, look, I don't even talk to the person. You guys are great. But, you know, I don't like salespeople. That tells you something, right? But when you hear, and we love so-and-so, they, they're always there for us, right? They pick up the phone. When you hear that type of stuff, then you know you have a good chance of seeing that your salespeople are doing, or that one is doing the right things. And then I would check them out on social media to see if they're providing value for prospective clients as well and then find out if they're networking and talk to them about what are they experiencing in the network and how ask them point blank, are you providing referrals to others, right? Mm. Are you providing value to others? And you'll get a pretty good picture if someone's servant-minded or not. Mm. That's good, that's good. All right, so let's flip it over to the personal side. Um, you have a lot going on, right? You have your business, you have, you've been an author, you have been keynote speaker. What do you do on a consistent and regular basis to help give you that energy to do the things that you're doing on a regular basis? Yeah, I think I, I do a lot of different things, but for me, I'm one that likes to spend quality time with my wife of 30 plus years. So we have, we're still working on marriage to be successful. I mean, that's... <laughs> But, you know, I say that in jest because I don't think you, I mean, I feel like life is success, right? You're living, you're doing the right things. It's a path that we're on. And at any moment, I look at it as I'm successful. I don't wait till the end and say, well, I lived a great life. I live, I live a great life today is my own mental way of looking at it. So quality time with my bride of 30 plus years, I like to get out on the bike and uh, ride in the trails here in uh, Central Florida. And you know, you gotta let go of the business at times, but I'm passionate about business. I love to help drive the US economy or the world economy. And I actually get charged 
speaking of, you know, having a conversation like this fires me up and, you know, that's the, the sickness of my mind. So, but there's a lot of, you know, we can find different ways of doing things, but you got to take some time off and uh, rejuvenate too, right? That's good. Do you do any specific daily habits that you do on a regular basis or, or, um, is it more like the, it sounds like obviously being with your wife, is important. Do you yeah. like bike every day? You know, what are the things that you're doing or not? You kind of spread them out a little bit more here. We yeah, are like the beginning of I'm, a year. You know, I right. hate the new year's resolutions. Cause that's, I don't think yeah. is the, the point here, but you know, are there specific habits that you've, you've learned that keep you going consistently? Yeah. I'd say that uh, daily reflection is I'm about as consistent every day on reflecting. I'm not talking for a half an hour. I'm talking sometimes it's a minute, right? But it's if it's a minute to 10 minutes, it's it's just, man, life is good. And thanks to the universe, however you want to refer to the creator, whatever, but just be grateful that you're here. You know, that doesn't take a lot. And I'd say that really helps me be grounded. It's awesome. Okay. And then, so then how do you kind of curious, so how do you measure success in your personal life? I don't know if I measure it, Carl. I mean, that, that's a question I struggle with because I look like if I'm happy, that's a good sign. I look at if my wife's happy, if we're communicating, that's a huge sign, right? And there are times, I'll be honest, there are times when our marriage was, you know, pressures of teenagers there are struggles, you know, we're not jiving, so to speak. And it's like, you come home and it's like, she's not happy. You're not happy. And it's like, you got to get to the bottom of that. Right. So would I say I had a successful marriage in those days, even though we were married for 20 something years, not at that moment. Right. You have to, you have to look at it and say, I got to get better or she's going to be out the door. Right. So, I mean, you got to look in the mirror. You got to look at your spouse. You got to ask, Hey, is this marriage good? Ask that, right? Ask your kids, what do you think of me as a parent? Is there anything I could do better? And just see what they'd say. And if they say you're awesome, I mean, in spite of the fact that you have to be be the hardliner sometimes, those are all good signs. But I mean, for me, success is it's a journey. And do I measure it? I, I guess I just periodically do the check-ins, but I never look in the mirror and say, I've, I've arrived either, right? It's constantly working at myself. What's your so, thought on this? So I can't wait to hear what you think about this one. Carl. No, no, I think it's great. I, I, it's, you know, I, once again, I think this is always very personal on measuring success. And that's why I love to ask the question on the personal side, because, and I actually liked it. Your, your answer is, is, was, I find them tend to be relatively unique. Some people have some consistent parts behind it. Um, but, you know, you talked about this success. It appears like from your perspective as being aware of, having some sense of gratitude, right? And so there, that's like keeping you going, but the relationship side, if those are broken, then you're probably not gonna feel, be feeling successful. Exactly. And, and yeah. so that I think is important, right? And that, that goes back yeah. to, once again, you're a lot of your premise of your value is serving others. And if, if you can tell you're not serving others when, when your relationship bank, so to speak, is empty. Right, exactly. You know, and, yeah. and, and for whatever multiple reason it is, right, where there doesn't feel like there's reciprocal value or, or love that's being given between. So anyways, I think it's a great answer. And, and I appreciate you you sharing that. And, 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 and I agree, you know, things are not perfect. I've been fortunate to be married 25 years now. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's always 
life, you know, that happens, you know, from medical issues to raising kids to, you know, finances, right. There's always challenges we're going to have no matter how quote unquote good things are. Right. And so there's another side to the Facebook lives we live. (laughs) You think think it's not always the happy, funny picture, you know, everyone's smiling. There's there's a whole nother side where we don't want any cameras taking pictures of us. That's right. That's no right. recordings. So, yeah. But that's the stuff we get to work on. And that's what, you know, it keeps making life interesting for me. Anyway. Exactly. So, yeah. um, always like to ask our guests, what's a book that you'd recommend to our listeners? Well, you named two. I mean, you named How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is an outstanding book coming up on 100 years old. The, to me, that's like the, the quintessential personal behavior book about communication. And if you at all are struggling with your relationships, I'm telling you, that book, other than, you know, if you want to read the Bible, great. But a lot of books actually bring core values from books that were written thousands of years ago, right? Napoleon uh, Hill's book, uh, Think and Grow Rich, a lot of that you're going to find based on the good book. Same is true with How to Win Friends and Influence People. There are great authors a couple thousand years ago writing the same stuff, but that's condensed. It's an easy read, great stories. And I still will flip through it periodically just to remind myself of, you know, the value of communication. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Well, Harry, this has been a pleasure to have you on the measure success podcast where people learn and find out more about you. They can find me on LinkedIn, also website Selling with Dignity. I mean, that's really for the book, but you're going to find the spelling of my name, and that is, I'm at harryspate.com, and spate is spelled with an A-I-G-H-T at the end instead of uh, S-P-A-T-E. So it'll be in the show notes, I'm sure, but harryspate.com and on LinkedIn are probably the best places, but I'm also on Twitter and Instagram and wherever else these days. That was perfect. Well, uh, Harry, thank you so much for being on the Measure Success podcast today. Well, this has been a real pleasure, Carl. You're a guy that is clearly well, what is the word I'm looking for? You've got uh, you've got a way about you where your guests feel really comfortable. I probably said things that I wouldn't normally say, but I liked your questions and it's great. So I really enjoyed the conversation. No, thank you. It's been truly a pleasure. I, once again, I always appreciate the authentic answers and And thank you so much for being on the show. And to everyone else who are our guests who are listening today, thank you so much. And we're wishing you the very best at measuring your success. And welcome to 2022. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.